Welcome back to Women Creating Wealth. We are here to help you grow your wealth. And that's why today, instead of talking to people who have succeeded in real estate investing, we're going to talk to Karen Silvius, the owner of Olive Branch Bookkeeping Incorporated. And she's going to help us to know, first of all, how we even know if we're succeeding at what we're doing and what kinds of things that could potentially be sitting out there waiting to jump us when we think, oh, I'm doing great. I'm so profitable. And then you find out, actually, uh, I have no cash flow or whatever. Yeah. Um, Karen, thanks so much for being with us today. I think this yeah, is going to be a lot of fun. Me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I got into the field of bookkeeping on accident. Um, I just always knew growing up, I wanted to help people. That's just always been a passion of mine. Um, when I was 18, I went to school uh, for cosmetology. So hair, not artistic enough. Let me just point that out. I like to scrapbook. And that's about as artistic as I get. Okay. Um, then I, when I went to school, I did get my degree in psychology. Again, something I knew I wanted to help people. Um, as I was doing both of those fields, though, I had a job as a bookkeeper at a small mom and pop shop, and I ended up falling in love with it. So I ended up getting my degree because, you know, it's good to get your degree. Um, but bookkeeping is just something I naturally fell in love with and it does help people. Like, even though it doesn't sound like it does, it really does because small people like entrepreneurs, like ourselves, my husband's in real estate. Um, I also got licensed in real estate back in 2020. And so I just knew that I needed to help people that have never done this before. They've had a W-2 job their whole life. They've never needed to set up their chart of accounts. They've never needed to open a business entity. They have never needed to do any of this stuff. And it was like, well, let me help guide you. Like, what can I do to help you succeed? And that filled my analytical side and it helped filled my creativity side. So it definitely fueled my passion. So that's just a little bit of who I am in a nutshell. And not like, like I do a little bit of creative accounting, but that's not what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I think sure, we all right do a, yeah. a little bit of creative accounting. Let's be real. Like <laughs> there's so many different ways to do bookkeeping and not, they're not all the same, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, it's not our job to be the same, you know, it's the tax professional's job to like weed it out, you know, right? Exactly. we just tell the story. Yeah. So what do you see? especially with your experience in real estate have you done any investing of your own so we actually just sold our house um we actually just closed last month so that was our first house so Congratulations. Um, thanks so uh that i'm officially dabbled in that but most of my clients are investors so mm -hmm. i started doing investment work back in 2021 um with agents who did a lot of flips. Like I had one client doing 29 different flip projects at once. And he was just overwhelmed. He's like, I don't know how to keep track of this. I don't know yeah. when I go to sell it, like, is it going to even be profitable? Am I going to list it at the right price? Like all that stuff. And it's so important because yeah. he's putting a hundred to $200,000 into the property on top of the 200 to $300,000. He purchased the property. You know, can you even sell it for $500,000? Like you need to watch what you're spending. And you need to do that hopefully he, that person will soon get good enough so that be, while he's looking at a project, he'll be saying, am I going to be able yes. to potentially sell this for more than I'm going to have into it? Exactly. Yeah. And unfortunately, like he, he bought all his properties at the right time, right? Like it was all very cheap. They were very good costs. But then as he started flipping them, it was right at the peak of when prices and materials of prices went up. 
And now he's offloading all those properties at the downturn of the market. And so all of that plays a factor into it when you're selling. So it's like, would it be better to just offload it or could you rent it out maybe and make something when it comes back up? And so it's, it's important to look all at all those numbers because you just don't, you don't ever know what's going to happen. You know, none of us have a crystal ball. That's my husband's favorite line that he loves to use on me. <laughs> but that's why I recommend when people, if you're going to do a flip, you should be in and out in six months because yes. then you're not going to have those huge variations, like exactly. potentially don't buy 29 at a time and, you know, right. And right. so that you can turn them around in a reasonable time because yes, there's so, just so much can happen and that's yeah. could, really erode your profit. So 100%. let's say that a person is buying, let's start with a flip. What do you recommend as far as like, what do they need to do to sort of make sure that they're going to be able to figure out at the end where they're, where they're at and when they're going to be profitable? So I have a form, it's called a rent roll form. And it basically just outlines like what you're buying your property for, um, all your closing costs, all the beginning initial investment setups. And then we need to look at the property and see what you need to rehab it for. Like, do you need to put in new car? Carpet, new tile, laminate. What are the type of things that you're going to be buying for? New windows. Does it need to be like tore down to the studs? Like, do you need to do drywall? Like all that stuff, roofing, appliances. So we're going to put a whole list together to look at all the things that you need to buy for the property. And then we're going to look at how long it's going to take you to do it, right? Just like you said, six months is the sweet spot. Like you need to get hit the ground running, like work on that property, get it turned around. If the market happens to slow down at that point, because you know, sometimes that happens, you're, you're six months away and it starts to slow down. Can you rent it? What are the rental rates look like? Does it compare to your loan on it? Did you get a hard money loan? Do you need to get it out of the hard money loan and refinance it into a proper loan so that you can make it work? Like all of those play a factor into that. So it's, it's not only nice to talk to somebody who has real estate background like myself in bookkeeping, but to talk to a realtor too, like talk to a realtor, talk to loan officers, um, talk to everybody you can talk to, to help make that work. Cause we're all going to be part of your team. Your tax professional is going to help you, you know, all that stuff, getting cost segregations, like there's cost segregation websites you can go to and you can plug the numbers into it. That'll help you determine whether or not it's going to work for you. So what kind of mistakes do you see people making new investors, especially new investors? I say taking too long. My one guy, he, he got excited because he made a lot of money in the 2021 uh, year, you know, like a lot of real estate people did, they made a lot of their money then. And so he went crazy in 2022. He bought and bought and bought and bought because he could, and prices were a little bit better in 2022 compared to 21. And so he just, he jumped on it and he went too fast. So he went way too fast, way too hard. It took him longer on every single property. If you think it's going to take you three months, add another three months, like right. <laughs> absolutely, because things happen. Like it's just the name of the game, right? You know it's what's behind mistake. those walls. <laughs> and so I think that's the biggest mistake is taking too long. Like he ended up, you know, like I said, he ended up losing some money because it took him too long. And he knew that he was hoping he could rent it all out, but he had too many going on at once. So he had to offload quite a bit of his portfolio. 
Um, I do think he has some rental properties now, but that and not watching your profit and loss. He was not very good at making sure he was watching what he was spending. He was just doing it because he knew it needed to get done. And it's like, we need to look at this and stop certain projects if you can until you can offload some of that because you're in, you're spending way too much money at any given time. He's spending two, $300,000 a month on 29 projects. He could have just right. watched that better. So absolutely. And I think that's something that a lot of new investors don't think about is their holding costs, Yeah. right? They say, oh, I'm going to buy it for this month. I'm going to put this much in. I'm going to sell it for this much. Like that's yeah. the only magic that has to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of like a lot of the hard money loans too, they'll put you know, the construction part into that and they'll hold that money off to the side. And you're like, cool, I think it's going to be this much money. A lot of people don't anticipate inflation. That It happens. Like inflation happens. We're not in a special era. Yes, our inflation's through the roof right now. Inflation happens all the time. Like every year costs go up. And so I think when people look at, at what they're going to spend, they also need to be mindful of adding 20 to 25% on top of that. Cause you have things that like, he didn't account for having a bookkeeper. He didn't account for, you know, payroll taxes when he hired on his own contracting company. And so there's certain things you don't actually add into that list, right? And if he had gotten with me prior to making that list, we could have maybe forecasted a little differently or, yeah. you know, but adding that 20, 25% will help bridge that gap too. And that's another thing like who, okay, it's not just the cost of this house. Who am yeah. I going to need? Am I going to need attorneys yes. to set up corporations? Am I going to mm -hmm. need bookkeepers, CPAs? Yep. All those people somehow need to get factored into that project. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people don't think about that and- you know, he, he ended up opening up a construction company, which I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so smart. Like you have a construction company and you're running this, but he, you know, it's a learning, like a, a learning curve for him. It was a learning curve for me. It's, you know, he was learning what worked and what didn't work. And now he's offloaded and he's going to rebuild and he's going to be stronger than ever because he's learned the right way to do it, which I think yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah. You, you can't pay for that kind of advice. You know what you I mean? You, there are lots of people who want to teach you how to be a real estate investor and, you know, myself included, but yeah, at yeah. the end of the day, you can't read about it and learn everything you need to know. You really no. just need to jump in. You just need to and jump will in. Will you make mistakes? Potentially, but will you be 10 times better and the other end of those absolutely yes, I wholeheartedly believe that and like like I said I've been doing bookkeeping for 15 years I still learn every single day every single day someone's teaching me something that I'm like oh my gosh I didn't even think about doing it this way or doing it that way or you know and the tax codes are constantly changing and so I'm having to evolve with that and so I think when you're open to that kind of learning the possibilities are just endless just start doing it I mean you could you could say oh first I have to learn the tax code and you'd learn it, right? If you say, oh, I can't become a bookkeeper until I learn all the tax code. Yeah. And then you could spend the year learning the tax code and then yeah. new just, tax code. Yeah. So you're <laughs> never going to jump in if you're always like sitting there going, well, let me learn this first and then I'll do that. You know, it's like, you know, I'm not the best at taxes. And I tell every single one of my clients, I'm like, look, taxes are not my jam. Okay. Like they're just outside my scope. I have a tax professional. Who, that's yeah. all he does. He loves reading the, I mean, every week he's telling me something new about the tax code. And I'm like, I love you to pieces. And I'm so glad you're passionate about me. this. <laughs> that's why you're on my team, but you do you boo. Like <laughs> I'll yeah. say my lane. <laughs> you just tell me what I need to tell my clients. Yeah. You know, well, so. and that's, you bring up a really excellent point though, that I, that I want to 
focused on right now, just yeah. so everybody understands. Like, I think some people think that bookkeeper and accountant are sort of the same mm -hmm. thing. Can you yeah. just help people understand that sort yeah. of the, the variation, the difference between the two? You're so, so right. Like a lot of my clients, even when they first got with me, wait a second, why should I have you and a CPA? And I'm like, well, I get to be the storyteller. That's where the creative side of me comes from, right? <laughs> like, yes, it's numbers. It's not sexy to look at. It's not sexy to do, but that's what I get to do. I get to tell you your personalized story on your company through numbers. That's my job. I get to organize. I get to move things around and I get to tell you that story of what your job or what your company is doing. A CPA or tax professional. They're two different things. Tax professionals don't necessarily need to be certified public accountants, which is what a CPA is, to do their job and to file taxes. A CPA is kind of like a mesh between a bookkeeper and a tax professional. They have the license to do taxes. They are allowed to do um, bookkeeping as well. So they are kind of well-versed in all of that. Most CPAs, they want to stick with taxes. Like that's what they like to do. So they'll offset and have a separate person for bookkeeping uh, like myself. But they are the ones that once they get the story, they kind of move stuff around in your assets and your liabilities. And they do cost uh, segregations and they do uh, schedules of depreciations and it's like a second it's a second chapter to that first story right it tells the IRS hey look I bought this car and even though I didn't spend the money on the car I'm doing monthly chunks of it I'm going to write off a certain amount of that car this year to offset the income that I actually got so they tell a bigger story their story is really important I just get to help <laughs> them with their story <laughs> But so you're more the day-to-day -day person. The tax professional obviously describes it at the end of the year and says, okay, yep. this is what we're going to take this story and make it the condensed version and send it off to the IRS. Yeah. And the nice thing is, is when you have a bookkeeper that works with your CPA or your tax professional, um, like with me, my tax professional and I, I do audits on all of my clients' books every quarter. So I audit everything. I run a bunch of different reports and I look through everything. I comb through it all. I make sure everything matches up. Then I get with the tax professional or the CPA and I ask them, I say, okay, this client, what were their specific needs? What kind of income do they want to show at the end of the year? What kind of assets are they trying to acquire? What are, what's the story they want to tell? Are my audits at all showing that story at the end of the year? Am I going to be on track for that client? So we work together to help finalize those numbers. So at the end of the year in January, we're not like rushing around to fix everything. We're doing that throughout the year together. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just also want to back up because we, you mentioned a couple of times cost segregation, and I'm not sure yeah. that everybody would understand what that is. So could you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's not anything I do personally, but in real estate specifically, um, if you buy a property and you didn't sell it for the year or you did sell it, sometimes you can use it for both. You can do a cost segregation study on the property and kind of see where it's moving to offset your income and your expenses in your books. So there's a lot of companies out there that will do cost segregations for you. They're a little pricey, but they're well worth it because then what that report will tell the CPA or the tax advisor is how to adjust those taxes so at the end of the year, you don't have a $40,000 bill. And now you only have like a $10,000 bill because the property that you're holding, that asset that you're holding onto that you've sold 
we're going to have a cost segregation on that that will offset your taxes. What I think of the way I think about it is, um, or the way I had interviewed somebody one time who did that, and it was more like for commercial property, maybe it is different for commercial property, but you're actually dismantling the property on paper. So let's say that I get all new lights. Mm -hmm. So normally the whole, like the whole building depreciates at a certain rate, like 27 and a half years, but my lights, maybe they're, they're going to need to be replaced every seven years. So I can depreciate them at a faster Faster rate, I can depreciate the kitchen equipment. I can depreciate the flooring, like everything. It it allows you to, to take more of the building off of your taxes Yes, because you're depreciating it at different levels. Everything isn't just depreciating as a big blob at a certain uh, on a certain, a certain point. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to explain it. Actually. I really like that way that you explain that. Yeah, it does. It breaks it down. Like basically when you look at a profit and loss, right. Cause you can do one on each property. It'll tell you exactly what you bought. That's basically what the cost segregation does. And it, and it writes it all off in a very neat and tidy way. Yeah. Now before, when we were talking about the thing, the kind of things, like if I hired you to do my bookkeeping, you're going to do it for all my properties. So how yes. can I determine like those kinds of costs per property, because let's, let's say that I do a, a, a corporation or, you know, a separate legal entity for each yes. property. How am I going to figure out like how much of that of your bill should go to this property? How much of it yeah. should go to this property? So me specifically, because I'm in real estate, I understand those kinds of breakdowns, if you will. Uh, I owned a team and I know how important it is to watch each and every section of each person and So I do what's called classes. They're inside of QuickBooks and it breaks down. You can break it down by entity that you have, as well as each of the assets that they own. So that's how I do it. I break it down by like, so for example, I have Sylvius Enterprises, my main umbrella company that I own. And then I have properties underneath that, that I own as well. So I just subcategorize that. Then when you give me receipts, you're going to tell me that it's going to go for this property specifically, and I'm going to tie it to that property. And I can do a profit and loss for each entity as a whole, as well as each of their properties. So you can break it down that way. So when you're working on people's bookkeeping, you're saying, okay, I did the bookkeeping for this property and it took me this long. And then I did it for this property. It took me this long. So yeah. And usually my bills a very flat rate. Like I don't usually charge by the hour. I do have hourly costs as well for like flips per se, but most of the time my, my properties are per door. So I charge 65 to $100 per door. And they know that that's a fixed expense every month. I don't care if I spend 20 hours on it that month or if I spend two hours on it that month. It's going to be the same cost no matter what. And then when I do my bill, because I'm your bookkeeper, I'm going to enter my bill into your QuickBooks for you. And I'm going to break it down by line for each property so that each property is going to have a set amount tied to it. So you know that that expense goes to that property. Yeah. What other kinds of advice would you give to people who maybe it's their first property and they can't, well, they don't feel that they can afford to hire a bookkeeper right now. Is there anything people can do sort of on their own? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't have it launched yet, but I do have a YouTube channel that I am, I'm like after this, I'm going to be recording content too. And I've recorded last week and I'm re- recorded a week before that. So we're going to mass produce a bunch of stuff, but I'm going to give a lot of free education and training around that because yeah, a lot of people can't afford a bookkeeper yet, but I still want to see them succeed. I want to see them grow financially. I want to see them set everything up correctly so they don't have to in seven years down the road, pay a bookkeeper 
this huge chunk of money because they didn't set it up correctly. No, let me help you. Let me give you a free guide on how to do that because I'd rather have you prepared for it. There are also a lot of bookkeepers, myself included, that will set up your chart of accounts correctly for you. It's a one-time fee usually. They'll set it up and then show you how to use it and then you're off and rolling. But there's a lot of information out there too if you're not quite ready to offload it and leverage your time and have someone else do it. There's so much out there that you can learn and watch and grow and just try to do it correctly. Don't just put it off because it's not fun. Do it because it's going to set you up. Is there anything that you wish I would have asked you or anything that you really want to make sure that people know? As an entrepreneur, make sure you set up an entity. So if you're in real estate and you're not like investing quite yet, make sure you still set up an entity for yourself. I always suggest an LLC myself. You can um, be taxed as an S-corp with an LLC. There's a special form from the IRS, so you can still take a lot of advantage of those tax breaks without being an S-corp. Uh, talk to your CPA about it. They can set you up with it. Um, if you don't have a CPA at the end of this, I'll give you all my information. Reach out to me. I can set you up with a C I have CPAs all over the place. So I can give you quite a few uh, CPAs to talk to as well, but um, set up an entity. That's so important. I don't know how many real estate investors I talk to that either set up only one for all their properties or they don't set up anything and they have it under their own name. And I'm like, oh, no, please set something up, anything. Yeah. All right, great. Well, how can people get in touch with you, Karen? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Olive Branch BK on both of those. Um, I will be on YouTube soon. Same handle, Olive Branch BK. And then my website is olivebranchbk.com. And if you do forward slash contact, you can reach out to me directly. Um, I do free consultations for an hour. So if you want to talk to me about what you can do to set up your stuff or, you know, that you're not quite ready for a bookkeeper, what kind of tips or tricks for your business, feel free to give me a call um, and we'll get something on the books and I'll help you, you know, grow financially any way I can. So that's fantastic, Karen. I really, I, I on behalf of all the listeners, I, we really <laughs> appreciate you. That's fantastic. You. Really, when you're first starting, you need all the help you can get. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. And all those links that Karen listed are going to be in the show notes. Yes. So, and, and you can also, cause this will be on YouTube and on the different podcast platforms. You can ask us questions there. You can, yep. you can ask questions and we'll send them off to Karen, or you can go direct to her book yourself a one hour free consultation. Thank you, Karen, so much for being with us today and for helping us to get like the foundation for success. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you listener for listening. Be sure to share Karen's information with somebody, you know, who's thinking about going into entrepreneurship, someone who's just getting started and who might not be doing it exactly the right way. Someone who's thinking about getting into real estate investing. All those people will thank you very heartily for putting them in touch with Karen and we'll see you next week.